Hi, everyone, and welcome to the One Mind Meditation Podcast, where we interview teachers, scientists, authors, and passionate meditation practitioners. I'm Morgan Dix, and today I'm delighted to introduce you to my guest, Sandra Brashad. Sandy is a transformational coach, intuitive lifestyle mentor, and guide for highly sensitive individuals and empaths, and she mainly works with creative visionaries and emerging leaders. So in this interview, which I loved, Sandy shares with us some truly remarkable stories about her intuitive capacities and how she was featured on CNN for her psychic abilities. But really more to the point, in the context of our show, Sandy's work as a transformational life coach sits, rests on a bedrock of meditation practice. And so Sandy and I explore how meditation really supports her work to help others. And it does. It plays a fundamental role. So I think you're really going to love this show. So let's jump right in. Before we start, a quick word from our sponsor, Health IQ. The One Mind Meditation Podcast is sponsored by Health IQ, an insurance company that helps health-conscious people like runners, cyclists, weightlifters, and vegetarians get lower rates on their life insurance. So you can go to healthiq's forward slash one mind to support the show and see if you qualify. Did you know, for example, that physically active people have a 34% lower risk of all-cause mortality, a 56% lower risk of heart disease, and 22% decrease in cancer mortality compared to people who remain inactive. So those are huge numbers. To see if you qualify, get your free quote today at healthiq.com forward slash one mind or mention promo code one mind, that's one word, one mind, when you talk to a Health IQ agent. Okay, now on to our show with Sandra Prashad. All right, Sandy, welcome to the show. I'm really happy to have you on here. Welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. Cool. So everybody, Sandy is, well, among other things, she is one of our recent authorities on the website, one of our thought leaders. She recently hosted a workshop that some of you might have attended called Activating Your Intuitive Brilliance. Did I get that right? Yep, that's right. And Sandy and I were talking and we thought, well, hey, let's let's do a podcast because Sandy, you've been uh, you come from a family which is deeply steeped in meditation and you are a meditator yourself. And I know you have a very committed practice. So we thought makes sense. Let's let's do a podcast and let's talk about it. And then, of course, there's a lot of things that I would love to ask you because you're also an intuitive and I'd love to know more about what that means and maybe just to start before we begin really going back and and, and before I ask you about your story can you just say a little bit about yourself who you are and, and what what you do for a living Sure. So my name is Sandra Burshad and I'm a transformational coach and intuitive life style mentor for creative visionaries and emerging leaders and what I like to call 
sensitive souls. And, um, I, you know, currently have a private coaching practice where I work online and in person facilitating deep transformation, um, for individuals that are wanting to take their vision to the next level or reprogram beliefs or thoughts that are getting in the way of actualizing the highest vision for their life. And that's what I'm currently doing now, and including you know teaching online and in person events, and um, leading some some groups as well for a, nice. a range of you know different people. Sweet. And we met basically because I'm business partners with your dad, Tom Bershad, and I founded the website about meditation dot com mm-hmm. together. And so what we've met, we met probably a couple of years ago, but. We, have we only really hung out in person like once or twice before? <laughs> I believe so. The, the last yeah. time we were in Denver, I think. Um, yes. And I saw right. I just met you briefly there, but yes. yeah. Well, all right. So I'd love to just start at the beginning, and we do this with most of our guests. I'd love to just ask you, wherever you want to start, how did your interest in meditation begin? Where Where does your story start? Mm-hmm. <laughs> It starts at the very beginning. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. Um, uh, well, in, in all seriousness, as much as I'm joking, um, you know, I think I came in with a just a you know deeper connection to spirit and, and source, and probably with memory from you know previous lives that I had, I felt felt like I just came in wired into a you know different consciousness and. Um, maybe or even a, a higher connection to you know, spirit and re- and you know higher higher realities and intuition and all of that. So yeah, I always say that I was born as a highly sensitive individual, and I I think I was born into a family that really welcomed all of the kind of the the spiritual and the magical and was very you know curious and exploratory both my mother and father in their own ways were open and receptive to the spiritual realm so Mm. I was um, fully welcomed as a child to be curious and um, you know really explore on my own in a a lot of ways and when I was about you know 12 years old I really started to become deeply interested in meditation. And at the time, I had been struggling with um, a lot of depression and anxiety as a, as a highly sensitive individual. Uh, I think they would have probably diagnosed me with what, what they now call sensory processing disorder. I was mm. super overwhelmed all the time on, on a sensory level, not only uh, you know from my physical environment, but also from my my, uh, the spiritual and energetic environment in terms of the energy and the emotions that I was picking up from you know, other people all the time. Yeah. So my system was just overloaded constantly. And um, at the time, they didn't have the the articulation or the, the scientific knowledge to really describe what, what was going on with me. So when I was 12 years old, as I said before, I was going through this really deep depression and my mom was searching online. She liked to look up mediums and psychics, but she somehow came across a a highly sensitive children's mentor that talked about a topic uh, called indigo children. Uh And if you haven't heard of that term indigo children before, it's, it's kind of like a new age, I would say a more new age or spiritually esoteric term for 
children that are born with intuitive gifts and abilities and have a higher connection to higher consciousness uh, or their intuitive gifts um, or um, a deeper connection to nature. But, but a lot of the time their, their sensitivities aren't well read. They're, they're read as Mm. misdiagnoses. Uh, They're usually pathologized and medicated as younger children. And right. Right. So when my mom came across this article, basically describing me in full force there was just this deep illumination that went on and I started Mm. working with this highly sensitive children's mentor and she had a good degree from a good school so mom went for it you know that's cool it must have been a relief for your parents (laughs) yeah I mean I think it was I think it was validating because I'd been struggling for years to put language and of course my parents were doing their best to create you know a deeper understanding of everything that I was going through but traditional school schooling system and doctors didn't have language for what I was experiencing. So I had no way to articulate what I was going through. Um, yeah. So they never suspected that there was this like larger spiritual awareness happening. Yeah. <laughs> say. yeah. Uh, but when I started working with my fest- first mentor, things really changed for me. That's really when I discovered meditation and I was opened up to the realm that my sensitivities weren't you know, like a curse, but they were a gift. And that was really, really profound for me because for the first time I felt validated and like there was like language mm-hmm. around my experience. And from that point on meditation and mindfulness and spirituality became a really huge part of my life and transformed my life on many levels. And still to this day is continuously transforming my life on every yeah. level. So, yeah. So what was it? In, so it sounds like obviously being able to put words to it and having a vocabulary and a language around that honored the experience you were actually having. So what else came out of your work with your mentor? And were there any significant, like really significant moments where the penny dropped for you and you understood, you started to understand your gifts? And can you say a little bit about those gifts in terms of what, how would, what would you say how would you describe them? Well, I would say and from from a more adult perspective now that most of us are overwhelmed all the time <laughs> and we don't even realize that we're overwhelmed. Yeah. And we're all sensitive beings. I really do believe that. We're sensitive, we're wired into this collective consciousness where we are actually aware of the, the global condition and we impact each other on a daily basis when there's su- suffering somewhere else in the world we we feel it um, if we're not uh, tuned out or dissociated or checked out in some way yeah but I would say that what what working with my first mentor really helped to facilitate for me was a sense of I was actually empowered to change my reality in terms of I didn't have to actually exist in this in a state that continuously overwhelmed me anymore and by cultivating mindfulness and meditation I was able to learn specific skills not only to come back to my own seat of inner awareness but also to deeply connect you know to myself and then as an empath and a sensitive some of the skills that I started to learn 
during that time were to really protect my, my own energy to cultivate things like energetic boundaries, the, the boundary beyond our physical that helps us, you know, separate our sense of inner experience from our sense of out of our, out of experience, because a lot of the time we're going through life and, if we don't have um, a meditation practice or something that anchors us back into our own sense of deep self-connection, we're going through our day and just picking up things and from our environment, like energy from other people and um, just just different things that are just in the in the larger environment that we might be exposed to. So there's a lot that goes down our proverbial tunnel all the time, I would say. So cultivating my meditation practice during that time really empowered me to realize that I have the the ability to ground myself and stay regulated on a daily basis and when there's extreme chaos going on I actually have the resource to come back to my sense of self and um you know just ground and feel nurtured and safe And I think some of the gifts that that definitely helped me cultivate was a heightened sense of intuition. And because when we're able to tune in and anchor into ourselves, it actually increases our capacity to widen our senses to the senses beyond the physical, I would say. It gives us a, a, a deeper conduit to connect to higher consciousness and source and the the flow of inspiration and intuition. So as I became more deeply anchored and connected to myself in that way, I noticed a, a an extraordinary leap in my consciousness around my own intuitive development and psychic abilities and abilities centering around picking up on subtle energy and consciousness around me and whatnot. It, mm-hmm. So it was super, super powerful, I would say. Yeah, that's cool. All right, I have two questions. Um, Mm -hmm. The first about the meditation and then the second around the gifts and the psychic abilities. So to begin with, I really liked how you were describing the way that meditation then and 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 now because it sound the way you're talking about it it's got a, it's very present too i i like the way you talked about in terms of just bringing you into the seat of yourself and creating a sort of boundary but also a a fundamental seat that you are in through your day that really keeps you rooted in yourself i really like the way that you articulated that what was the practice that your mentor uh, was teaching you? What so what were what was the meditative or mindfulness practice that you were doing? Do you remember? It's, it's like a long time. Yeah, I know. It was like twenty five <laughs> like, years ago or something. Twenty years ago. Well, a little less than that. But um, you know, when I, when I think back to what uh, my first mentor first taught me, um. What she originally taught me was to um, begin to kind of protect my own energetic field through the vis- visualization of an energetic bubble around me, yeah, yeah. which I found to be really helpful and is something that I still use to this day in my own daily practice and with yeah. my with my clients because it's something that a lot of people don't actually know about or even think to do, but it actually shifts that sense of... Um, you know, perception, it it supports that sense of discernment between our inner and outer reality. 
so to mm. say. So when we're able yeah. to visualize that, 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 that energetic boundary around us, suddenly we feel more insulated and greater safety. And there's actually that separation. So we can begin to discern what our own thoughts and feelings are and how we actually feel and in tune into that deeper wisdom that resides within us. So that was like a huge revelation, I would say, uh, just in my own spiritual practice and in my own path as a highly sensitive individual learning to nurture and care for her own energy mm -hmm. you know the first time i had ever heard about that was your dad oh it went <laughs> totally i mean because i've been meditating for oh, like 23 years or 20 22 or 23 years and i've done you know ridiculous amounts of meditation but i never no one ever told me or really taught i never had a teacher who taught me anything like that that and tom one point we were talking and I think I was asking him about his practice and we were talking about some guided meditations and he's like, well, of course you're going to want to start by creating the energetic bubble. <laughs> and, and, and I was like, what are you, what are you talking about? And then I, I did start to do it for a while and I, it was very empowering. I loved it when I did it because for all the reasons you said, it's just, it is, there's something inherently well, I want to use the word reinforcement. It, I just felt deeply reinforced and fortified mm. by, by having that bubble. Mm. Totally, totally. And it's it's yeah. something that I still do in my daily practice. And as I've, you know, as the years have gone by and I've developed a litany of other tools in my yeah. metaphorical toolbox, I still go back to that basic one on a daily basis, even if I have a number of other things that I add to my practice or yeah. complexity, that just basic exercise is so uh, transformative and helpful. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I wanted to ask you when you were speaking about, then you were speaking about the gifts and some of the, the emergent experiences and talents and, mm -hmm. and empowerments you're having mm -hmm. after, after that. you One of the things you talked about was the different, like part of it was the psychic ability. Mm -hmm. I'd love, can you give some concrete examples of that? Like what were some examples of this? Um, yeah, mm -hmm. go for it. And any, sure. Anything, yeah. Okay, so some concrete examples, I would say. Um, or stories or, or whatever. Yeah, you know, so when, when I was younger, I was just a raw nerve ending. I was so open and receptive to this uh, other realm that it, it appeared that a lot of other people couldn't perceive. So when I was younger, I was often seeing uh, what, what, what I now know to be, you know, energy in the environment and auras and colors around the people. My mom took me to the eye doctor because I was describing, you know, floating things in the air, but there was nothing wrong with my eyes. I've just wow. always visually seen moving particles of energy. Uh, and yeah. to this day, I still do. Um, yeah. So that's one concrete example. I see colors. I see energy. It's just a daily part of my, my life and day. Yeah. When I was younger, uh, they were like, well, she must have ADHD because it was hard for me to focus. And now I just lovely, lovingly refer to ADHD as, you know, attention directed to higher dimensions. Because, of course, <laughs> you know, it's like if I'm sitting in yeah. class and I'm seeing auras and energy around people, it's going to be a little bit hard to focus on what yeah. I'm, I'm doing or to the teacher. And um, so... 
when, when I was younger, um, you know, in addition to energy, seeing energy and auras, I often had visitations from other beings and, um, what I now know to be just entities or spirits. And so when I started working with uh, my first mentor, she really validated all these gifts that I had. And I was often psychically and intuitive, intuiting, you know, a lot of different things all the time. Like, who's it, who's calling on the phone. And I would just get these flashes of, of insight coming through. So when I started doing meditation and doing a lot of this deep inner work that only amplified all of my gifts and abilities. And when I was a little bit older, um, in my, my teens, like 15 or 16, CNN, uh, reached out to my mentor, wanting to do an expose around indigo children, which was really unusual and still even unusual. Like CNN Anderson Cooper is debuting indigo children or whatever, but totally, but they wanted a indigo child. And, uh, my mentor was like, well, you know, Sandy, Sandy is, uh, you know, a really one of my, you know, great protégés or whatever. So you you should uh, interview her because she'll have a lot to to say and, and offer you. And so, CNN came out to my my house and this was the the first kind of run of um kind of television appearances I had I had uh, numerous ones after that into my teens and then even into my 20s I had some appearances as well but um I think this was the first time that my parents realized that I had these gifts and with the um my appearance on CNN and whatnot I started to get a lot more uh, attention, I would say, nationally, internationally for my psychic gifts and abilities. And because I've always been an an extraordinary empath, as I learned how to connect to myself more deeply through meditation um, and, you know, just different spiritual practices, my ability to read other people and read energy became even more amplified over Mm. time. So Mm. that evolved into me doing professional psychic intuitive readings and being a, a medium. And so I was channeling information from people that have passed on, um, during, during readings. And I was giving people, you know, precise psychic and intuitive, um, advice and insight on their lives. I remember one, you know, one specific story or just experience that I had that struck with me. That's really, really stuck with me was a, uh, experience, um, where I was doing communication with a mother who had lost her 12 year old son and I was relaying information and, you know, to her, uh, about, you know, how he was and, you know, just creating space for them to communicate you know, between, oh. between the realms. And that was really powerful and touching. And it, you know, I, it really gave her a deeper peace of mind and it was beautiful to see this, this young boy who had suffered so much, uh, you know, pass on and be in a such, such a beautiful, beautiful space of, of light and love and, and being held and being able to trans transmit that, that to his mother was, uh, you know, a deep honor and also really intense for a 17 year old to be doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, there's a lot of emotional flow through in a situation like that. How how would you, I mean, I can see how in a situation like that, keeping the boundaries between yourself and what you're doing would be incredibly important. Yet at the same time, 
you're the vehicle. How, how did you manage that? Did you know that research has shown that meditating daily can lower blood pressure, decrease cortisol levels, and reduce the risk of death from heart disease? The One Mind Meditation Podcast is sponsored by Health IQ, an insurance company that helps health-conscious people like runners, cyclists, weightlifters, and vegetarians get lower rates on their life insurance. And you can go to healthiq.com forward slash one mind to support the show and see if you qualify. But here's the cool thing. Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for health conscious people, including runners, cyclists, strength trainers, vegans, and more. So probably you, I'm guessing. So check it out to see if you qualify. Get your free quote today at healthiq.com forward slash one mind or mention the promo code one mind when you talk to a health IQ agent. Also, I will link up the health IQ hot link in our show notes for this episode. So check it out. Now back to our show. I mean, I can see how in a situation like that, keeping the boundaries between yourself and what you're doing would be incredibly important. Yet at the same time, you're the vehicle. How, how did you manage that? You know, I, I think I've always had a natural instinct to hold space for people. And from the age of 15, I knew, you know, working in, in service of others awakening was what I wanted to do. And, you know, maybe pursue spiritual psychology. And to be honest, it was challenging for me at the time to stay anchored in myself as, uh, you know, someone that was so young and hold space for that level of intensity. And I think it was then that it really became solidified that I need to go get further education and training. And I'm like, I'm helping people in a really beautiful and powerful way, but I don't have the degree of training I need to hold space for individuals in the way that I really, really desire and know that I could. So I need to go pursue further training and in, in psychology and, you know, consciousness and whatnot. That makes sense. So really in a certain way, understanding the fundamentals that would uh, undergird or, or kind of help you understand the maybe the associated traumas involved with people who are getting involved, the associated psychological profiles of people. And mm -hmm. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, believe it or not being a, a psychic intuitive or a medium or a healer and massage therapy, all of, all of these uh, professions, I would say, um, or more esoteric professions, I believe, um, require like a deeper understanding of what's going on for a client on multiplicity of different, you know, different levels. Yeah. So I, I felt like I had this deeper craving to understand the origin and the origin or like the soul story of, of what, what drove a person to this point or you know, what, what catalyzed them to arrive, arrive here. And, 
and, and the nature, you know, especially if someone was coming to me that experienced trauma before, how is that trauma or these events in their lives really impacting them on a psychological, emotional and spiritual level and their consciousness? And so I had a really, really deep thirst to learn more and become steeped in the study of that, I would say that and that that awa- that awakened in me during that that time in my life. So quick can you quickly take us through what was the training you did what what was the educational arc then that you pursued I got my start as I said as a intuitive psychic medium healer <laughs> so yes. or whatnot yeah. and um I started with just all just uh alternative trainings like in uh, energy healing like I, I got certified in Reiki when I was 16 and then my dad and I would go to different you know spiritual trainings together like vibrational yeah. sound healing training <laughs> and qigong and shamanism and and whatnot so we would workshop around together and do trainings together which was you know be- beautiful bonding between him and I who had similar you know just interests and in, in, in you know the the spiritual and the expansive and whatnot um so when I was 17 or 18 15 was when I really realized that I wanted to pursue spiritual psychology or some sort of you know consciousness studies and that intersected between spirituality and psychology and, and science and whatnot. And when I was on the web, I was looking up a school or, or just for alternative schools that were melding the the realms of spirit and soul and consciousness and psychology all together because I was like in that rebellious phase of my youth where I wanted to you know go down with the system and traditional schooling isn't for me and I can't deal with this anymore and and whatnot and then I I came across Naropa University which is a Buddhist university in the first Buddhist university actually in the United States um, I think and it was founded by Tibetan Rinpoche, uh, Chogun Trumpa in the 1970s and uh, Allen Ginsberg and beat poets and whatnot. So it was oh, yeah. very, very storied oh, history. There. Oh yeah. 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 Very, very rich history. Um, so, you know, the, the Chogun Trumpa had this vision of blending uh, Eastern you know, psychology and like Buddhism with like Western academia. And so I I looked at Naropa, found it somehow on the web, and I was like, I know I'm going to some, you know, go there someday. And I actually started out at a different college and then, you know, dropped out of school. Even though I was creating my own major, something didn't feel right about where I was currently at. And it was like a like a quarter life, not even a quarter life crisis. Cause I was in my earlier twenties, but I'm like, <laughs> what am I doing with my life? I, you know, this, you know, this like huge, uh, division one sports school with like fraternities and sororities, even though I wasn't involved, it was just, I had gone from going to a very, very small, tiny, all girls boarding school to this like, school with thousands of people. And it was overwhelming. And although I was doing well, my, my soul was being called to you know, something else. And so in, in the dropout and in the crisis of my uh, youth and 20s, I realized that going to you know, Naropa was my, my next best option. And that was exactly where I was called to go. So I moved to Boulder, Colorado that year and started this crazy journey, <laughs> this crazy like five-year journey. I was at Naropa for a total of five years. So I 
I studied um, somatic psychology, the intersection between mind, body, and spirit, and you know neurobiology in my my undergrad, and the intersection between psychology and healing as my major that I finished with in my undergraduate degree, and then I went back a year. I took a year off, and then one one a year back for a three-year intensive uh, master's program in what they call mindfulness-based transpersonal counseling psychology, which is a mouthful, but <laughs> that's what is yeah. on the diploma. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, that program really explored how spirituality is, is integral to the development of human potential and is holistically inclusive of many different high, you know, psychological disciplines and alternatively blends Eastern and Western, you know, psychology and, um, you know, spiritual perspectives and meditation is, and mindfulness as a core part of our program. Like we need a certain amount of meditation classes and hours in order to even graduate. So for that five years, I was just steeped in intense like meditation training and learning how to be more mindful and excavating my own own shadow and my own deepest wounds and learning really how to um, hold space for others in, in deep in deeper and deeper ways and the, all the scientific and psycho psychological knowledge to you know, back it up so it was super super profound sounds like it was the right the absolutely the right place yeah it was like the perfect fit <laughs> the perfect for me fit, fit, yeah you know so that i could actually learn how to blend all of my you know spiritual and intuitive and more esoteric gifts with you know hard science and, and psychology and really have the, the skills and tools and resources to support individuals in navigating you know extreme you know transition or trauma or transformation on on all levels and arrive exactly where they need to be that's cool and so that must have been very empowering to get that deep background and deep, deep, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for, but yeah, you're establishing and creating deeper context for all your work in the studies and particularly having it backed by the hard psychological and social sciences like that. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, I, I felt so, and I just, I still feel so lucky and grateful. You know, I don't know like a lot of parents that would support their kid in going to a no, quote unquote. I mean, this is what it, what it's perceived from the outside, obviously, but like a hippie school or whatnot, yeah, you know. Yeah. So, but when you get there and you're doing all this deep work and you're integrate, you're able to integrate all this like vast knowledge, not only from the realms of just spirituality and like consciousness studies and you know developmental. Um, theory and whatnot, but neurobiology and science and the intersection between mind, body and spirit and how our, our emotions and our thoughts are, you know, continuously impacting not only our physical body, but our, our reality on a daily basis. It's, mm -hmm. it, it was really, really, um, just amazing. And it's supported the foundation of the work that I'm now putting out into the world. All right. So you wrapped up the degree about a year ago. Yeah, so I I graduated in 2016. Yeah, in May of 2016. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then did you start a counseling practice soon after or what was your next step? So I didn't go the traditional counseling route. I was in a 700-hour year-long clinical internship at a, a family and play therapy institute that was 
Um, so I basically had my own private practice during that time, um, where, yeah. where I was seeing clients with supervision and with, um, you know, children and families and, and adults and parents. It was at the Play Therapy Institute of Colorado and it was a, an amazing experience. They blend mindfulness with, um, you know, somatic psychology and like, you know, the body based, you know, sciences, uh, with, um, you know, therapeutic attunement and, uh, you know, some other really, really profound, um, you know, alternative healing modalities and with like a very keen understanding of neurobiology. And so it it, it was pretty much the perfect internship that fit for like my specific interests. And, and it was just such a wonderful environment to grow and uh, welcome my authenticity as a, you know, a a practitioner and, um, you know, a, a coach. And so, I decide not to go the traditional route and get licensed. Um, although I became registered to practice as a as a psychotherapist in Colorado, I wanted to like really create my own, you know, form, you know, and platform of of transformation and supporting yes. you know, other individuals' transformation. So I began to like build my own coaching, coaching and consulting practice. And that gives me more flexibility to work with uh, people uh, across state lines. Because if you're a psychotherapist registered in a specific state, you can't really work with individuals unless you've met them in person already. So I wanted to really work with people all over the world and globally. And have a uh, have a business that was online that would give me you know flexibility to travel and also meet and connect with different types of people from all over the world and serve the world fully. So I started to really build my uh, coaching practice that year and. It's been, you know, beautiful as a, as, and, you know, tenuous at times as a, you know, entrepreneur, you know, it can be, you know, challenging when oh, you're yeah. out there on the grind on a daily basis and having totally. to put yourself out there. And I wouldn't really have it any other way. I just feel so lucky to have the opportunity to work with all of the amazing clients that I've had the opportunity to work with and support such deep transformation. Like I'm blown away by the courage and the resilience of my clients and how much they've gone through and how fiercely they committed they are to really actualize that higher vision for their life and bring more awareness into the places that they'd rather hide from and really do the just shifting that they need to do in order to attract the and and create the life that they really desire to have. So I just, I feel so blessed and lucky and humbled, I would say. And also it just seems like from your story to this point that you're just describing that from that moment when what you were 15 and you realized that this was the type of work you wanted to do, that there's really been a, a pretty straight line, at least in, in how you tell it. And as you're talking about it, you can really hear the fruition of a lot of years of uh, intention. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it, I guess maybe it seems unusual. I mean, I th- feel like there's a, a president that like, <laughs> we, we should know what we're meant to do. I don't really feel like that's true. You know, I don't think yeah. we should necessarily know what we're meant to do. It's something that arrives and yeah. that is seated within us. But I feel like I was just blessed to have my purpose seated, seated within me from you know a very, very young age. And I've been following this continuous stream of you know consciousness for 
almost 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. and it hasn't really changed. It just keeps growing and evolving in complexity. And I know that I'm here to support, you know, you know other individuals in developing deeper awareness, stepping into their true, true brilliance and into their deeper purpose and work in the world, you know, whatever that might, whatever it might be. And, yeah. um, I just feel really blessed to be able to, you know, f- facilitate that and the clients that, you know, come to me and like trust me to help them navigate uh, all of these like extraordinary realms that we have to go through yeah. um, in order to get to where we really want to go. So Totally. And it's early days. You're really just beginning, right? I mean, obviously you were doing this work early on, but in terms of, you know, what it's going to evolve into... Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm only 29, <laughs> so yeah. if I'm lucky enough to live a long time, which you know I hope I am, um, because it's a, it's a knock on wood, it's a blessing to be alive. But I it feel is. like this is just the beginning of my journey, and I'm I'm so curious to see where I'll where I'll be in like five years or ten or even twenty years, and what what will I be up to then? You know? <laughs> yes, totally. I have a question. Yes. Well, tell me about your practice now. Like, what does your daily practice look like? So, my my meditation practice? Yes, exactly. So, my my practice right now is, well, first things first, I have my meditation cushion right at the foot of my bed because I have to walk past it. So then if I have to walk past it, then I see it and I know I yeah. can meditate. Because, yeah. you know, it's like... You, we're so busy all the time. Sometimes it's hard to find the time oh, yeah. and space to actually connect with ourselves like that. And there are definitely days when I'd rather just like walk past it and wave, you know, yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, Hey, you look great over there. I'm going, yeah. going somewhere else. But <laughs> totally. so right now my meditation practice is 45 minutes like I do about um you know depending on how much time I I have I like to do about 30 to 45 minutes of practice during the day and the tradition I was trained in in you know at Naropa for those five years which is called Shambhala meditation um which is just a form of you know sitting practice uh, shamatha vipassana yeah Um, so just sitting practice and then insight you know meditation so that that's really become a core foundation of my practice just in terms of the posture and following my out breath and being in touch with my breath and allowing my thoughts and just watching my thoughts go by and like as clouds passing in the sky and yes. back to my body so that's that's one you know aspect of my meditation practice another aspect is to do um, body check in and to really connect with my body and expand my larger awareness and tune into what's happening you know on that level and mm-hmm. and, and if there's anything that needs attention you know during that time i really presence you know whatever's happening on a, on a physical sensation level emotional or thought sensation level and then just come back to my presence and breath and and then a large part of my practice during that time is doing just energetic maintenance and clearing so as a as an individual that's constantly working with other people and just you know facilitating 
just groups and whatnot and just in and experiencing other people's energy a lot of the time like we often are you know, doing in the world I have to clear my energy on a daily basis or I, or I become plugged up like a you know a stuck vacuum you know yes. <laughs> like I'm like <laughs> it's like well what's how do you do that I have a number of different exercises uh, that that I do and it just depends you know since my practice has been evolving for so long but what what I'm mainly doing right now is um I do a chakra clearing practice on a daily basis. So one of my teachers has trained me to visually see my energetic chakras, you know, and the chakra centers in the body. And if they're rotating in a counterclockwise direction, it can kind of disturb some of the, the kind of magnetics in your field. So I do a visualization around my chakras and I make sure that all of my chakras are spinning in the right direction, I would say, because I definitely notice when one one is off off kilter. Mm. And if I notice one's off kilter, then I visualize bringing it back and just energetically shifting it into the proper direction. And then I go through and do a cleansing of each of my chakra centers and then do a body scan and call on the light from the divine and that kind of source, you know, healing energy to help kind of cleanse and clear away anything that really isn't serving me. And then I do like an energetic boundary kind of meditations and, or a bubble meditation so I can sense my own boundary. And then sometimes I visualize a you know vacuum at the bottom of my feet or any energy that isn't serving me just pouring into the earth. Yes. Um, yeah. And so that's, you know, so some of the tools that I use that I find to be like really helpful. Sometimes I'll even envision magnets that are uh, in bubbles outside of my field. It's like, you know, when you're around like a relative and you feel that, uh, Maybe it's like your in-law and they like trigger you <laughs> or <Yeah. something. laughs> and you're like, that person's energy is like really all up in my space right now, you know? Yes, yeah. So I, you know, what I tell, what I do for myself and what I tell my clients to do is to visualize there's a bubble outside of your energetic field. So it's outside of your boundary with a huge magnet kind of like a supercharged magnet attached to it. So anytime you encounter someone, um, under like less less pleasurable circumstances, you can put that person in that bubble in this encapsulated space, envision this magnet just pulling out anything that really isn't serving you and any of their their own energy, you know. So it's just pulling all of their energy and and, and returning it returning it to them whole and healed, so that you don't have to carry it anymore. And I I find that to be really helpful, and a lot of my clients find that specific exercise to be really helpful too. Yeah, yeah, I love it. That's really good. It's a good one for the holidays. It really is. You know, since our holidays are coming up and you might be around some like relatives that really trigger you, you know, I would suggest really tuning into your own um, energetic field, um, cultivating your own meditation practice. It doesn't have to be sitting meditation. It could just be walking um, in nature or sitting and breathing with yourself or even listening to some, you know, calming, you know, music, anything that'll really Mm. help you come back into connection with yourself. And if you find yourself feeling overwhelmed by other people's energy, 
give yourself a permission slip to <laughs> go take some space so that you can yes. find that sense of connection and do a little bit of visualization where you place the family member or you know friend or loved one in the bubble and allow all of their energy that you've taken on to flow back to them with grace and ease. <laughs> and uh, so you don't have to carry it anymore. It's, it's super useful. I would say, you know, not, not. Just I, I really like that. No, oh, good. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going to try it. Good. Let me know how it goes. <laughs> I will. I will. <laughs> Definitely. All right. Well, I think we're kind of getting to the close here. I think what, well, there's two things. One, I'd love to, ask you to share a little bit about how people can get in touch with you and learn more about your work. But before that, would you be willing to share the story about, this was one your dad told me about, it was very moving and it was about, I don't know if it was a father or a mother who passed away and mm. had all this information to convey. I don't know about, maybe it was different like bank accounts and where certain information was that he or she needed to convey to the family and that they came to you. Do, mm. do you know what? You know yeah, I do. So I think I was around like 16 at the time. So I went to um, all girls boarding school, as I, I told you before. And yeah, this was a friend of mine whose father had passed away unexpectedly from like a massive heart attack, I think. Yeah. And I, learned I, I learned of you know his passing and I think my friend you know had called me you know really upset um, yeah. and then later that day I had this like visual of this man who I who I didn't know because I'd never really met her father before but yeah he seemed like frantic and I started getting this you know headache because often when you have you know I mean, with people too, but just with, you know, entities or other, you know, individual, you know, entities and individuals from other realms coming through, it can just be in intense, um, especially if they have a lot of you know, activated energy and whatnot. Yeah. Yes. He, um, was trying to convey that he had messages for my friend that I, you know, and that he wanted to give her and pass on to the family. And then I realized like, Oh, you're Emily's you know, my, my friend, Emily, um, your Emily's dad. And I started to kind of write down what he was transmitting, um, to mm. me so that I could pass it along to, um, her family. And later on, I, I called them and I was able to tell her family just, you know, give, giving, giving them last messages of, um, what, what he wanted to, and I want to keep the details, you know, somewhat private, obviously. Of, of course. Yeah. But he was able to pass on, you know, specific information that they needed about, you know, like a, accounts and, um, you know, tying up the, the estate, you know, so to say, and it just any, any of, any of the, the loose ends and just specific messages for the family since his ending was so abrupt and, uh, I think it, it, as it always um, does, really touch the family. You know, be hearing from someone that's you know beyond or who has passed on, I think, is always like really profound and impactful. And I, you know, I think that it helped create a, a deeper sense of of closure and whatnot. Um, so it was it was a really special time, and I felt honored to be able to be the messenger, so to say, <laughs> you know, for that. Um, oh, that's a, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it was it was really really profound. You know, I would say that 
our meditation practice and our ability to really deeply, you know, connect to ourselves really opens up these other realms, you know, for us. And, uh, Mm. you know, I just, I feel grateful that I was able to, to be there for them at that time. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I had forgotten, you know, like I haven't thought about that for a while. It's like, yeah, that happened. Actually, yeah. in this room that I'm in right now, interestingly enough, like I was... I think that's the room I've stayed in when I stayed at your, your beach house. Oh, yeah. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. It's an amazing room. It is. Yeah. <laughs> I feel lucky. <laughs> yeah. Well, Sandy, this has been a pleasure. Can you share with everyone listening how they can be in touch with you how if someone wants to follow up and either work with you or learn more about what you're doing or, or just read your your regular blog posts etc how, how can people be in touch with you sure so um there's a few ways to get in touch with me as a modern day woman i'm obviously on all social media so i'm on Facebook, you can look up at Sandy Burchad. I have a, you know, a business page there. I have a group uh, for women called the Highly Sensitive Superwomen, a support for brilliant nice. sensitives and empaths. And my website is sandyburchad.com, which has, you know, a lot of, you know, more, more information about me and, um, you know, de- defined find details about all the mentorship um, program offerings that I have to offer right now. So if um, you're interested in following up, you can contact me in any, any of those ways. Um, I'm also on Instagram as well. And my blog, my blog posts are also on there. So I, I look forward to being in touch if you feel called to reach out. Awesome. What's the, and everyone, I will link up all of the accounts that Sandy just described in the show notes for this episode. And you guys, you can check that out over at aboutmeditation.com. So Sandy, thank you so much. This was, this was awesome. Thank you, Morgan. I had um, a really, really fun time and it was good to be able to connect with you in this capacity for sure. (laughs) Yeah. I was looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. I was excited. Awesome. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today for the One Mind Meditation Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Sandy Brashad. I have linked up in the show notes for this episode all the articles and information related to Sandy. So if you want to get in touch with her or if you want to follow up with Sandy, please head on over to aboutmeditation.com forward slash podcast and check out the show notes for this episode. There's everything you need there to get in touch with Sandy. Also, if you enjoyed the show, by far the best way you can support us and the the most effective way to help us reach more meditators is please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. That is such a huge help. I can't even tell you how much that helps us reach more people. So head on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. And great. That's it for today. I'm going to end as usual with a short quote. And this one is from Albert Einstein. And he says, A human being is part of a whole, called by us the universe, a part limited in time and space. He experiences himself, his thoughts and feelings, as something separated from the rest 
a kind of optical delusion of his consciousness. This delusion is a kind of prison for us, restricting us to our personal desires and to affection for a few persons nearest us. Our task must be to free ourselves from this prison by widening our circles of compassion to embrace all living creatures and the whole of nature in its beauty.